done. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, Tori's taught you well. Good job. Way to go. Hey, I'm really blessed and honored to be able to speak with you all. I've been here for about a year, part of the church. My wife and I and kids have been in Austin for about three years. And so we've been blessed to be a part of the well and be able to be here with you. Uh, I have a couple of disclaimers before I share. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a different person uh, today. Uh, my skin tone is a little different. You probably won't hear too many uh, eubonics coming out of me today. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I may not have uh, rhythmic rap-like motions in my hand gestures. Please give grace to me today. Um, but I do have a Bible that looks like Tori's, but it's not as worn as his. So, all right, you're supposed to laugh at that. that. He told you to laugh at my jokes. All right. All right, no, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share with you on the last of the Advent series, Christ Our Peace. And um, this journey of peace has been very important for my life, so I want to share a little bit of my story with you all and how I found peace in my life and how Christ has peace for each one of your lives and for many others and actually for the whole world. But I'd like to pray before I jump in and, and uh, share here. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the, the opportunity to gather together and to celebrate you and to celebrate the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all he's done for our lives and for the countless millions across the world and throughout the last 2,000 years. And we are very grateful to be able to remember that today. And we do pray that you'd be honored by our time here, you'd be blessed by it, and that you would speak to us and help us remember what you've done for us and who you are in our lives. And we thank you when we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you know much about the Bible, uh, the Bible talks about God, right? And it talks about a God who is called in Philippians 4, 4, the God of peace. He's the God of peace. And that's, a, that's good news for us to know that the God of the Bible, the God that many people around the world worship, is a God of peace. He's not a God of war. He's not a God of hatred. He's a God of peace. And he's been working peace a story of peace throughout history. He's been working it through men and women's lives. He's been weaving this story to ultimately bring peace on earth. Uh, we're not, we don't have peace on earth right now. Obviously, we turn the TV on and we know there's lots of problems in our world. There's lots of war. But he has a plan to work peace and to bring all things into harmony with himself. And ultimately, he will do that. He will ultimately bring all things into harmony with himself. And this time of year, we remember this beautiful story about a child who was born, right? The, the story that's been woven into our history. Thousands of years ago, even before Jesus was born, a couple hundred years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy about Jesus, the coming one who would bring peace to our world. And it's written about in Isaiah. In chapter 9, we read that earlier. Uh, I don't think the slides are working, so you can look in a Bible, or if you have that Bible app, you can open your Bible app and, and find it. Oh, it is working. All right, they got it working. Or you can read it right here. <clears throat> so Isaiah 9, 6 says, For us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A few hundred years before Jesus was born, this is a, a prophecy that was given about someone who would come. And this person, he was going to be unique. He would be called Mighty God. He would be called Everlasting Father. He would be called the Prince of Peace. 
Again, we hear it, this echoed in Luke. It's been read over the last couple of weeks when the angels appeared and said, glory to God in the highest and peace on, peace on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. Again, the story of peace, the message of peace. There's going to come this person and he's going to bring peace. And when we look over the course of the last 2,000 years, we think about this person who has come, we say, well, there's still a lot of war in our world. There's still a lot of problems in our world. But if we really understand who Jesus is and what he has done, he has radically transformed our world already. And he has brought tremendous amount of good and peace through his life. And he has brought much peace between men and God. I would like to expand on that a little bit. But when we, when we think about peace in our, in our world today, we often think about the idea of absence of war, right? That's what we think of peace, is the absence of war. Or we think about peace of mind or personal tranquility. And the Bible's understanding of peace is a little bit broader. It's a, it's a little larger concept of what peace means. It's the biblical word shalom. And actually in, in Hebrew, in Isaiah 9, Jesus is called the prince of shalom. And this idea of shalom is this idea of completeness or wholeness. That God is going to, that there's this this sense of complete harmony amongst all things. There's a oneness, there's a unity, there's health, and there's rightness in relationships with one another. That is the idea, the big picture of shalom is there's rightness amongst all people. There's harmony in the world and there's wholeness and completeness and there's unity. There's a beautiful uh, Little, just a little verse in Psalm 85.10. It says, it says, righteousness and peace kiss each other. And I really like that image. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. And I say, wow, that's interesting. Why? And it, it, the reason being is that righteousness, when we're, at, when we're right with one another, right, when we have right relationship, right standing with people around us, we have peace with them. Right? There's peace. So when we have righteousness in our relationships, we have peace with each other. And the same with God. When we're right in our relationship with God, then there's peace between us and God. When we do wrong to people, when we offend, transgress against one another, then the relationship's broken, there's not peace, there's dissension, there's, there's war, there's problems. Righteousness and peace, they kiss. There's a beauty there. They dwell together in harmony. So this idea of peace, um, like I said, it has been very important for my life. And I want to share a little bit of my story so you kind of get to know me a little bit better and what God has done in my life. Because I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. I was not someone that went to church uh, very often, as I was a little kid, we went to church some, uh, but it wasn't something really in my family. We didn't, we didn't learn about God and uh, the Bible in my home. I did not know the God of peace. Uh, we didn't talk much, much about it. So it kind of just faded away from my family. And every once in a while, we'd go to church on Christmas, like, you know, now or, or, or Easter, but not too often. And I grew up in that home. It was a good home, but I didn't have a a framework of understanding ultimate meaning in life, and that was an important thing for me. And I kind of, I gravitated to the sciences, I gravitated to thoughts around evolution, and when I really understood the philosophy of evolution, that led me to a point of thinking, well, there actually is ultimately no meaning or ultimate purpose in life if there is no nothing greater, no, no creator, no maker, there is no ultimate purpose. But that, I really, as an individual, struggled with that thought. And it, it left me uh, very um, distraught internally. 
And I thought, you know, the world around me tells me, my family tells me, you know, the meaning in life is to get a good job, is to get good grades, is to get married and provide for your family. That's what you should do. And I saw that kind of living, lived out around me in my family and my friends. But I also saw my friends' families, parents were divorced, and I saw people pursuing money that wasn't really bringing them happiness. And I thought there's got to be something more to life than this pursuit of the American dream. And I struggled with other things in my life, with personal security and confusion and just brokenness and unhappiness. And I was really looking for some type of meaning. I, and, and, and in that, I, was, I got involved in things that weren't good for my life, things that hippies try to find peace doing. Uh, if you know what I'm saying, I got kids in the room, so I got to keep it certain <laughs> certain level, if you see. And, uh, you know, you know so I got, kind of got wrapped up in that world and... That wasn't good for me. That was actually harming my life more over time. It was kind of getting a stronghold on my life. But I knew I wanted, I knew I was looking for something, some type of peace in my life, and I, I wasn't finding it. I actually got a tattoo, I know this is cheesy, on my arm of a peace symbol. Yes, cheese. Okay. Uh, of a peace symbol with mountains. And, um, but for me, it was, it was more than just this idea of, yeah, peace. But it was this idea of, I'm looking for this. I want to find this. And I thought maybe somehow uh, nature would, would give it to me. Somehow, the, I really love nature. And I thought maybe that would help me find this sense of, of peace in my life. And so I ended up moving to Colorado, and I thought maybe I could be in the mountains. I went to school out there. I moved out. I could be in the mountains, and if I could just maybe that, maybe that would help my life. And I got into New Age kind of types of beliefs, uh, meditation, Eastern kind of thinking and practices. And I would spend lots of time outdoors. I spent lots of times up in the mountains. I would spend a lot of time by myself trying to find something greater than myself, trying to empty myself, trying to connect with some greater sense of nirvana or peace or something. And every once in a while, I would think maybe I kind of got it or I kind of felt that. But then I would go right back to my, where I lived, back to my home, and just fall right back into the old patterns and the, and the uh, thinking and the struggles, and I just would lose it all. And I tried positive thinking, and I tried self-help stuff, and I was just trying all these new age different things, and it just was, I was just in turmoil in my soul. And so in the midst of all those things, I, I uh, had a friend, we talked about spiritual things a lot, and his name was Nathan. He got invited to this Bible study. And he asked me if I wanted to go. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check it out. So we went to this little Bible study. And uh, later I found out that it was, it was actually a cult, this little group. And I didn't know that at that time. They had, they had another book than the Bible, too, that they, uh, they wanted us to learn about. But anyways, that little Bible study was interesting. You know, I kind of, kind of was interesting. And at the end of it, the guy asked, so what do you think about what we just said? And I said, well, I... You know, I, I think, man, it sounds cool. I mean, it sounds like, you know, love other people, and that's what other religions are about. So, yeah, it sounds like you guys are telling, telling us to do what, what everyone else is saying. And he, he kind of looked at me. He took this kind of this authoritative stance or position, kind of kicked his feet up and his hands behind his head. And I could just knew, you know, his attitude was changing. And then he started to tell me that I was, uh, I was blinded and deceived by the devil, that the devil had his hold, hold on my life, and he was you know, slamming me with all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, what is this? You know, like, what is going on? And so it's like, all right, you know, that's great, thanks. And me and my buddy, we, we left. And, <laughs> and uh, they, they, would, they were very persistent, kept calling me, telling me I had to, like, you know, 
do this Bible study with this other book and all this stuff. And I was like, it was crazy. But I started really, I eventually I told him, hey, man, just don't call me anymore, please. Leave me alone. Uh, but it started this thinking that stirred my mind up. Okay, who is this God of the Bible? What is this Jesus guy? What's this all about? What is this devil thing? You know, am I, am I owned by the devil? I don't know. Like, what is going on with this world? And who are these people? And, and so this was all kind of going on in my mind. And a couple of weeks later, maybe it was three or four weeks later, I was walking on campus. I was at Colorado State University, and I was walking on campus, and there was a guy preaching. And I said, I'm kind of interested to hear what this guy has to say. So I walk up to listen to this guy, and there's a big crowd around him, and I asked him some question. I thought it was a tough question. It probably was, I can't even remember what I said. It was probably some weak question. And he, uh, he answered that question. And then I had walked right up next to this other man, and he, he turned to me, and he said, so what do you think about Jesus? I said, you know, I think he's a good guy, you know. And he says, well, if he was around, would you follow him? And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I would, I'd listen to him, listen to what he had to say. And he says, well, do you think he's coming back? And I was like a deer in the headlights, you know. I was like, coming back? I mean, I, I had no idea what he meant. And uh, so I was like, I don't know. And so he's like, well, do you wanna, would you like to know the story, the message of, of Jesus, uh, the story of his life? And I said, yeah, I really, actually, I really do. I'm very interested in that. So he and I sat down there on the campus, and he, he pulled out this little booklet, and he went through this message that I had never heard before. He told me, one, that God loved me. God created me, made me. There was a God who loved me and made me. And he told me that God wanted a relationship with me, that I could have this connection with God. He told me there was a problem in the relationship. It was my sin, that sin broke that relationship but that God loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for my sins so that I could be reconciled to God, that I could be at peace with God, that I could be brought back into harmony with God. He actually, read, he actually uh, shared this verse with me as Isaiah 53, 5. I think it's up here. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He shared that with me and said, Jesus took the punishment that we deserve so that we could have peace. And, you know, he was sharing this, and I was hearing that message, and I had not heard that message before. I, the stuff that I was kind of into was me trying to achieve my own peace somehow. And this was this message of God's come to give it to me. I just have to receive it. I just have to accept it, not work to it or towards it. And I, 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 this guy was sharing with me, and I, I just his whole personhood, his, the way he was sharing, his personality, his heart was completely different than that other guy that I experienced, you know, a few weeks ago. And I just remember thinking, if anyone's got a message from God to me, it's this guy. Like, if there's anyone that's got, is like a God person, this guy is it right now. He, he shared gently and, and in love. And I said, you know what, yeah, I do, I do. I want God in my life. I want God in my life. I didn't know what I was really saying or doing at the time. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But this message of Jesus Christ was good news to me, and I said, I want this God in my life. And I prayed with him. I didn't know what to say, but he led me in this little prayer to receive Jesus Christ into my life. And I prayed with him to receive Christ in my life. And I went, I left that meeting. I saw that guy the next day, and then I didn't see him for 10, 15 years. And I didn't see him again. And I left that that time with him, walking back to my dormitory, I grew up and I literally, I did not know anybody that was a professing Christian. Literally, I did not know one person that, maybe there were Christians around me, but I did not know anybody growing up. 
I didn't know anybody in college that professed to know, follow Jesus Christ. I had my opinions about Christians, even though I didn't know anybody. But I, in my beginning of my college, in my second year, I knew this one girl, Meredith. She was in my dormitory. So I went to this dorm. I, I went to her right away. I said, hey, Meredith, I believe in Jesus now. She's like, what? What? You have to understand, I, I made this girl cry. I made her cry because, because she, she was a Christian. I was really rude with her at one point. So she was surprised. What? And I was like, yeah, I believe in Jesus now. I'm like, but don't tell anybody. I don't, yeah. Because, you know, what? We, I, 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 I believe in Jesus, but I wasn't this church guy. I wasn't this Christian guy. I didn't know what all that was. Like, it was like, I don't want to be associated with that. And if I say, people say that I'm a Christian, if you tell people I'm a Christian, then it's like I am lumped in this category, in this place that I do not want to be. But anyway, she got me a Bible, and I was very excited about that. And so I started reading the Bible, and I, I, I found the Lord's Prayer in there. And I said, I memorized the Lord's Prayer, and I would pray the Lord's Prayer at night. And I started to feel like there was something going on in my life that was different than what I had experienced before. There was, there was a, a change that was taking place in me that was not my doing. It was not my power. It was not because of my meditation or my good positive thinking. It was a real transformation that was a, from a power greater than myself. It was God. And I began to have peace in my life. And I didn't understand it really. I was kind of disoriented, like, wow, man, I really, something's happening. And I remember one day I turned the TV on and uh, this, this show called The 700 Club came on. You ever hear that? First time I ever saw it, probably the last. I turned it on, but there was this, this, this 700 Club was on, and they're interviewing this lady who was in India. She was, you know, on the streets of India, looked like, you know, with the ring in her nose, like a woman that would be in India. And they're interviewing her, talk, she's, she's telling her story about how she came to know Jesus. And she's describing the same experience I'm having. She's describing this peace in her life, this happiness in her life, this joy that's in her life. And I'm like, I literally, I was listening to her and I literally, literally started to cry. And I'm like, why am I crying? What is going on with me? I am I was crying because I knew she, what she was saying was true. And this was a woman on the other side of the world from another culture. And yet she's saying that she's experienced the same thing. I am in Jesus. And so to me, that was like, Jesus is really real, man. This is real. And it gave me hope and it gave me joy. And I think it was like, I was just like, this is, this is it. I found, I found what I was looking for. Cheesy U2 song, but I found it. I found it in Christ. And he, God continued to change my life. He continued to change my life. I used to still smoke marijuana during that time. Oops. And um, doing hippie things. And, uh, but um, I was, but there came a point in my life where I was reading the Bible and I was going doing hippie things. And, I was, uh, and but I, when I would read the scripture, I would, I, would be, I would be experiencing God. And there was peace and there was joy and there was life there. It was sweet. And then when I was doing the other stuff, it was kind of like, you know, this is, this is weak. This is weak. Like, why do I even do this anymore? Like, this is not filling my life with anything peaceful, right? I mean, I just felt this sense of, like, I'm not experiencing God's presence in this stuff. And so I remember that day that I just decided, I was like, it was a big deal. Like, when, you, when you're in that world and you have certain things that you use in that world and, and they can become dear to you. And so, you know, some of that paraphernalia I had since I was a little, man, I was, since I was, I was young, not a little kid, but young. And, and, but there's lots of stories and memories around those things. And I remember the day I just like, man, this is not where peace is at. And I took it, I threw it in the dumpster. And I knew I, my, my life is on a different journey and trajectory 
and I've got a new life in, in Christ. And he began to change my life. I was super skeptical about church and all that stuff, so it took me a while to get involved in a, in a local church. And so it's another long story. But I just wanted to share that with you to let you, just to give you a story of hope, right? Of the, of the power of God to change lives. The power of God that, to make us clean and right. And that Jesus Christ came to, to, to make us, to give us peace with God and to transform lives. That's what he's come to do. It's to radically transform lives and to take away our sin. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I love that passage. I love it because that's what he did for me. He reconciled me to himself. I was far from him. I was apart from him. Yet through Christ's blood, he reconciled me. And that God has done that for each one of you and for all the people you know, for the entire world, all things on heaven and earth, all things. And it says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified or made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been made right. That's shalom. We have been made right with God so that we can have peace with him. And it's by our faith in Christ Jesus. There's another great story in the Bible, another testimony about someone who was made right with God that I'd like to share with you all. It's uh, from Luke 7, and you don't have to read, read there. I'm just going to tell you the story and kind of paraphrase it. It's from Luke 7, and it's, this, it's when Jesus was going to this Pharisee's house, right? It was a... Uh, he was a teacher, a religious teacher. He was a, you know, he would have been a well-respected kind of person at that time. And he went to this guy's house because this guy was curious about who this Jesus guy is. And he went to this, this house. He was eating a meal with him. And many of you are familiar with the story. They were reclining at the table like they would kind of lay down in those days, not sit at the chairs like we do. And they were reclining at the table. And this woman comes in. She hears about Jesus and she comes into the room and she was notorious in the town for being a sinful woman. I mean, she was not a good woman, right? I mean, she was not, had a good reputation. People did not look up to this woman. She falls at Jesus' feet, this kind of supposed to be this holy teacher guy, and she starts to weep. She starts weeping. <clears throat> she starts white, wiping his feet with her hair. She starts kissing his feet. She takes this ointment kind of perfume. She pours it out on his feet, and this Pharisee guys looking at this situation is like, man, if Jesus was this, really this prophet dude, he'd know she's a sinner. Like, he'd just know this. And Jesus, and you just imagine, just looks up and looks at this guy. He says, Simon, I got to tell you a story. He says, well, go ahead, tell me, teacher. He says, well, Simon, there was a man who was a, a money lender, and he lent money to two different individuals. One, he lent $5, and one, he lent $5,000. Neither of those individuals could pay it back. So the money lender forgave them both. He said, Simon, who do you think loved that man more? Simon said, well, I suppose it's the one who was forgiven the greater debt. And he said, yeah, you've answered correctly. You know, Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't wash my feet, which was customary to do at that time. But she has not stopped washing my feet with her tears. You didn't kiss me, greet me with a kiss, but she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, which was customary, but she anointed me with her perfume or her oil. You see, she, he says, you see, whoever's been forgiven much, Simon, loves much. But whoever's been forgiven little, 
I'm sure he looked right at his eyes, loves little. And he looks at the woman and says, woman, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's amazed. Well, what do you mean? Your sins are forgiven. Well, I mean, who is this guy? You can't, you can't forgive sins. I mean, yeah, you can forgive someone when they wrong you, but you can't forgive someone's entirety of their sins. Only God can do that. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He looks at her and says, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Woman, your faith has saved you. Woman, you are right. Woman, you are right with God now. There is nothing in between you and God. You are free, woman. Your sins are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are washed. You are made new. You are right. They may not think you're right, but I've made you right. You are free. Go in peace. Can you imagine? I mean, it's hard to put ourselves in this situation, but can you imagine the, 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 what she would have experienced in that moment? The life that she'd been given, she'd been given life back. She was under judgment of the law. She was under judgment of men. And now here comes this man who she thought maybe could give her hope. And he forgives her, restores her, and says, peace is yours now. Peace is yours. Shalom is yours. Sister, shalom is yours. That is what God has come to give us. That is what God came to give us, man and woman. Amen? God came to give us peace. He came to make us right. He came to set us free. We are going to be right with God. I mean, we are right. There's nothing in between us and God anymore because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. We have complete peace with God for now and for all of eternity. That was his purpose we celebrate this coming of this child, and yet his ultimate purpose was to die on the cross to set us free, to give us the greatest hope we could ever imagine. And he said that, you know, on his way, he was going to the cross, and on his way in John 14, he says to the people, he says to his disciples, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. He came to give us peace. But a little bit later, in John 16, he says, but you know what? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He didn't say he's come to restore peace right at that time in all things. He said, I've come to give you peace with God. You will be in trouble in this world. There will be difficulties. There will be hardship. But take heart, I've overcome the world. There's hope that's coming. There's good that's coming. You will be in difficult situations in this world. This world is not at peace with God. Not everybody is. Everyone can be because of Jesus Christ. But this world, in a lot of ways, is at war against God. In many ways, we don't like God. In many ways, we, people hate God. We don't want to listen to God. So what happens when you align yourself with God? Do you think they're going to love you? He told them, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. In this world, you will have trouble. If you're at peace with God... There will be persecution. There will be difficulty. There will be hardship. That is the reality. We don't experience so much in our country, but I'll tell you what, you go to another country, other countries in our world, and you line yourself with Jesus Christ, oh, you will experience hardship. You will experience hardship. He says you will have trouble, but take heart, have hope. I have overcome. And our hope must be in that place. It has to be in that place. You know, we live, you know, we have to stay there. We live in, a, in an anxious world, men and women. We live in a worrisome world. How do we stay in peace? We've been called to peace. 
How do we live in it? I mean, I don't know if you're like you, but I can lose my peace very quickly. Right? Turn the TV on. <gasps> What's happening with our world? Chaos, war, problems. There's all kinds of fear coming at us, coming at us in every single angle. How do we stay in peace in that? Right? What's going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to the future of our children? We get so caught up in the worries of the world or, or the, the, the distractions of the world. Oh, I've got to have this. Oh, the American dream. I've got to have this great job. Oh, I've got to have this money, this kind of car. I've got to have this relationship. I've got to have all these things. Where's your peace in that? Caught up in the busyness, the hustle and bustle of it all. And it just, it just saps our peace. It crushes, it wants to crush our peace. I mean, Jesus talks about like weeds. The worries of this world, man, they creep up around you like weeds that just choke out the faith. It wants to crush the faith. How do we stay in peace? How do we stay in peace in the midst of an anxious world? Well, the scripture is our source to that answer. And it says in Isaiah 26, 3 through 4, it says, You, God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Amen. You keep him in perfect peace. Who? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do we stay in peace? We trust in God. How do we stay in peace? We trust in God. In the anxieties, in the worries, in the fears, in the problems and distractions, we have to trust in God. We get caught, we get lost in it all if we don't. We're so caught up in the, what people think of us, our identity, our image. Trust in God. We don't have the great right job. Trust in God. We don't have the right spouse. Trust in God. We don't know what the future holds. Trust in God. What's going to happen to our future, our country? Trust in God. Trust in God. You're right with him. You've been forgiven. Not only that, but you've been given all things in Christ. You know, do we realize that, guys? You've been given all things in Christ Jesus. All are yours in Christ. The greatest gift that could ever be given to you. Christmas has been given to us. We have been given the greatest treasure. We are an heirs to the kingdom of God. You, if you know Jesus Christ, you are an heir to the kingdom of God. All things that are God's, all things that are Christ's are yours. We should celebrate. What do we have to worry about the little things of this world? Right? What do we, what do, why do we get so worried about them? We have, we have hope. We have real hope. We have lasting hope. We have eternal hope. Our souls have been saved. Jesus Christ is coming back one day. He's going to make peace with all things, and we're going to be with him for all of eternity. We lose our peace in this world because our hope does not always set on that spot. The scripture says that, that um, uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And 1 Peter tells us to set your hope fully on the grace that's to come to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's not partially. He says set your heart fully on the grace that's coming. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you put your hope in this world and you don't get it, you lose your peace. You lose your peace. But when you put your hope on what's to come, you will never lose your peace because that's for sure, that's firm, that's an everlasting rock. That is our hope. That is our trust. That is it. And when we walk in that, you guys, when you walk in that, when we walk in 
that reality of that sense of trust in God and that peace in who God is, what God has given us and how we've been made right with God, when we walk in that, we get to be something very, very important. We get to be instruments of peace. We get to be bearers of peace. We get to be ambassadors for peace. We get to be peacemakers. We get to be agents and ministers of reconciliation. We get to take the peace that's been given to us and we get to extend it in a war-torn world. I mean, that's the greatest joy we could ever have or imagine being a part of. You get to, not only do you get to proclaim peace, say, you know what, I know how you can have peace in your life. You can have peace with God and that will give you peace in your life. You get to share that good message with people. But not only that, you get to extend forgiveness. Because you've been forgiven and made right, you get to bring forgiveness and make right on earth, that there can be rightness on earth between the relationships that you have because of what Christ has done through you so that it extends out to others. What's the hope of the world? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And if you, more people walk with Christ and have peace with Christ and they're extending the peace of Christ with more and more people, then there's more and more peace on earth. Obviously, it won't always be there until Jesus returns. But he has been doing that for 2,000 years. And we get to be a part of that purpose. We get to be a part of that. Jesus came to bring peace, not with the sword, but through the cross. Amen? Through the cross, through suffering, through sacrifice, through forgiveness, through loving others when it's hard, through bearing your cross and forgiving as you've been forgiven. You get to be a messenger, an instrument of peace. So I want to encourage you. This is a season you get to partake in that. You get to spread that good news. You get to spread that good. You're going to be with your family. Family's hard. You get to spread good news of Jesus Christ living in your heart. Your trust is in God. You get to be a part of that. The greatest news we've ever heard. To us, a child has been born. To us, a son has been given. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you so much for what you've given us. We thank you for your love and for your salvation. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, you've given us all things in Christ. We have all things in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you. Help us to keep our minds on it. I pray you help the congregation here keep their minds on you, the author, the, the perfecter of their faith, that they may live in peace during this season. I would like to ask, I would like to pray a blessing on you guys. And would you mind just standing up so I could just pray from the scripture, um, from Romans 15, 13? It's kind of a benediction. If you, if, even if you would like to raise your hand, you're welcome to raise your hand to receive it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to do um, some songs here, and it's an opportunity also to break bread together. So there's a few different spots on the corner.